Hello, this is Dane Alves with the Wrestling News. Just kidding. This is your pal Dane Alves, the host of a show, if you're not familiar with us, called Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Those familiar know how badass we are. We drop that shit every Saturday and get it out to you by Monday or Tuesday. You know, we talk about wrestling news and we love you listening to us. But I could not do this show without my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How are you doing today, sir? I am doing wonderful, man. It's been a long, crazy week, but uh, looking forward to the weekend, drinking some some cold beer, maybe watching some some fucking preseason football. Who knows? I might get wild. No, I'm kidding. I probably won't get wild. But <laughs> how about you, buddy? How was your week? How's everything going on your end? Going pretty good. This uh, episode is brought to you by uh, Beardstown uh, Whiskey, just because I'm hungover. So there you go. They did they did their uh, job. Anyways, but uh, yeah, I'm doing good, man. Uh, definitely was a long week at work. You know, as being a, a, a shipping manager, you got to deal with some uh, technical stuff. And for some reason, the uh, the website that I do stuff through, I'll, I'll throw out their names, Worldwide Express. Great fucking place to do business with. Uh, basically, the, the liaison to UPS. Um, they just decided to reformat their whole entire website. So I was fucked for the first two days trying to deal with errors related to that. But besides that, I got myself through it. And, you know, I'm here. Ugh, that, that always sucks when something like that happens. It's funny how small changes like that can throw a kink in so many other businesses when companies like that make changes but yeah i think i think i'm guilty of that as well you know we'll implement a change in our software and it'll freak everyone out for the first few days <laughs> or something something won't work exactly like it should have when it gets out into the real world so i'm one of the people that you would be yelling at i think <laughs> in this scenario well, um but yeah that sucks dude sorry to hear that uh what have you been up to what have you been watching um, what I've been watching, I am going through Peaky Blinders. I think I mentioned that last time. Um, aside from that and wrestling, I had a uh, a live, I'll just say a large dish of Italian food uh, on Thursday this week because there is a three-part documentary on the uprise and downfall of the Italian mob uh, from the 70s through the 80s. I don't know if it's new to Netflix, but it just got shown to me, so I watched it. Excellent documentary. Watched the third episode for it Thursday, and then decided to watch A Bronx Tale, uh, one of my favorite movies, Goodfellas, and fell asleep watching a show called The Sopranos. So I feel like I'm at, I'm in touch with my people, Chris. Very, very <laughs> eye-opening. You're uh, your peak-level mafioso this week. Um I yeah, actually that Italian that Italian <laughs> side of me just completely came out. So I, I actually just finished rewatching The Sopranos. We had kind of been talking about that offline because you had watched it again or watched it for the first time, and I was like, man, I'm gonna go back and rewatch it so we can actually talk about it. So I went back and rewatched it. Uh, still a great fucking show. Still holds up. I think I was like sending you quotes throughout <laughs> me rewatching it recently. Um, great fucking show. So I, I finished that. Uh, I've been watching Heels, which is back out. Uh, this season has been phenomenal. This season has been great. I've really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, but it also led me to that, you know, when you 
when they're releasing this shit weekly, you get kind of like, oh man, like I just want to watch all of it. And uh, so I channeled in and I, I started watching Friday Night Lights again, just because there's a lot of similarities between those two shows. So I'm in season two of Friday Night Lights, uh, nice. which is which has been a fun rewatch as well. And and uh, as far as movies go, the wife and I watched that M Night Shyamalan film with uh, Batista. I can't think of the name of it right now. But uh, holy shit, Batista is great in that. So if you like Batista, it's worth a watch. He's a very, uh, you know, for such a big guy, he does subtlety and calmness very well in a very uh, kind of uneasy way, I would say. Because that movie and then several others besides that, I think that was like House in the Cabin or some shit. I forgot what the name of it is, but. Batista, when it comes to all the wrestling actors, if you will, I think this, the person that might have the best acting chops might be uh, Dave Batista. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to disagree with that when you've you know, I've seen the majority of I'm not going to say I've seen all of them because there's like fucking six Marine movies. But I think I've seen the majority of most re- like movies starring wrestlers, at least at this point. And, uh, yeah, by, by far, I think he's not only had some of the best movies, but also, you know, going back and watching that movie this week, uh, seems like he has taken the acting thing more seriously than a lot of other wrestlers. Uh, and it kind of it shows really well in that movie because he's playing like a whole different kind of character than I've ever seen him play before with a lot more range towards the dramatic side, you know, um, but yeah, I don't want to say too much about it because it's one of those movies where there's uh, not necessarily a twist, but there's definitely some things you wouldn't want to know about going into it. Yeah, uh, I agree with you on that one. Uh, it's a it's a very interesting movie. You know, A Night Shyamalan, um, he is hit or miss. Sometimes he makes something that really makes you think, and then he makes something like old or um, what's the one with Mark Wahlberg in the trees? The happening. So, you know, you gotta you gotta take in his good with the bad, uh, basically. Yeah, and I think this movie is gonna be one of those that you either like it or hate it kind of film, anyways, for a lot of people. But uh, my takeaway was Batista was kind of. It was hard to take your eyes off of him in the scenes that he was a part of. Uh, so, you know, there there was that. Also, fucking Ron Weasley's in it. If you're a Harry Potter fan. <laughs> so, so there's also that. But, yeah, that, that's everything I've been watching. I mean, I know there was a lot to throw out there at one time. Uh, the, the biggest, obviously, being Heels and uh, Friday Night Lights again. Lots of Coach being a badass. It's great. Yeah, I, I not only do I love that comparison because that's a comparison I tell people, but I can't wait to really sit down and watch season two. I just haven't gotten a chance to, and I kind of keep on forgetting about it, so that's unfortunate. But I will be watching Heels very soon. Um, other than that, I mean, I've seen other movies here and there, but it's pretty much it. Hey, hey uh, last week, Chris, did we at all go over uh, the Marty Jannetty? Um, Dark Side of the Ring episode. We did not. We did not. I think we're like actually two, two or three weeks behind as far as talking about it on air because I was a little bit behind on the show. Should we? Should we? Should we converse before we go into the news? On the yeah, season? we might as well. There's not. 
there's not a whole lot here news wise to talk about other than the fucking you know we'll we'll, we'll get into that i guess <laughs> the cm punk uh monthly update i guess uh at this point but yeah yeah we definitely can um I, i'm fully caught up on dark side so we can talk about any of the episodes you want to talk about so to finish this season we had the the uh story of marginetti um for one i just want to say that I don't think people realize there is a that obviously Marty got the T virus because a tyrant is growing out of his foot. It's about to turn into an eyeball. And I've played enough Resident Evil games to know what that looks like. I'm just kidding. But God, did that look fucking terrible? Um, I have no idea, especially when you've had money and opportunities. I understand wrestlers always on the go, but how. During the prime of your career, no, actually, this one, he was with Al Snow, you know, rolling your ankles so bad that you never do anything about it to the point where later on in your life, it cripples you, basically, and they might have to amputate it. Um, Marty Jannetty is a story not only of, of, of wasted potential, but also just of how you can get in your own way, how you can blame other things like what you consider God as a reasoning of why you've done certain things and certain things to your career. And even though Marty should get his flowers, as far as being innovative, as far as, I mean, outside of Jose Lothario, uh, really being a person that like groomed Sean to what we saw later going on, got him used to wrestling within the industry. Um, and having a lot of influence and also teaching guys like the Young Bucks later on in his career. But when it comes down to it, it looks like in this he was giving every fucking opportunity to get better. I was excited as a kid seeing him show up in WCW and that was short lived. I never knew why. Now I know I was really excited, you know, right at the peak of me about to leave to, to focus more on UFC. As a young lad back in like the 2000s, uh, I remember Marty coming back and him and Sean having a run, doing a match, Marty having a match with Kurt Angle, and then he disappeared. And, you know, they showed the footage of that and how tandem, like how exact time they still were years later as the Rockers, what that could have been like, you know, how the Rockers at that time. If Marty didn't get arrested a fucking two weeks later from coming back, um, they might have actually gotten gold. Uh, well, they might have gotten gold that the WWE considered because, yeah, they stripped them when they actually won. Um, it's just so unfortunate. You know, he's got stories up the ass. Everyone basically says that's close to him. He's full of shit and he gets in his own way, even though they love him including his his lady uh, of one of the states that really cares more about him than than he does of her. Um, I don't know, man. It, it just that's the one thing that sucks about Dark Side. When you get a subject like Marginetti, you already know about this stuff. And this is not even including the guy he might have murdered. Um, you know about people's history, but when you get displayed right in front of you, especially him lying about stuff like meeting Donald Trump and being best buddies with him or all the fucking bullshit stories he started telling himself. 
Uh, it's just very unfortunate. Uh, with the amount of talent that Marty had, he got in his own way. And actually, I'll bring that up separately. I, I have another little diatribe, but I'll, I'll let you comment. What, what did you think about the documentary and, and Marginetti as a wrestler? I mean, it was a good season, I guess, almost or maybe even series finale. We don't know if that thing's going to get renewed or not uh, just because of everything going on with Vice or if it ends up on a different network. So this might be the last dark side of the ring we ever get. So that's kind of a a weird one to go out on. But it was a good episode. It's a lot of stuff I already kind of knew about Marty. There were some details here and there that I hadn't heard before, like the – Sean throwing him through a ground level hotel window and then Marty beating the shit out of him. I, I never, I had never heard that story, which is what leads to the, uh, the actual breakup of the, the rockers. I just assumed that was just them being together was kind of toxic. I always assumed that Vince broke them up because he saw, you know, potential in both, both of them separately, but there's, we, we still didn't get the entire story of what happened there. And we also got Marty Janetti's tell of what happened, not necessarily probably a, a, a fair version. That's the one thing I will say about this one is Marty Janetti is kind of full of shit in a lot of ways. Like if he was coming back in 2005, they were not giving him a million dollar contract as a, as a performer to do like six or seven matches with Sean. I just don't, I don't see that happening. Um, there was some crazy footage I'd never seen, like, uh, him riding a fucking motorcycle through a hotel lobby and then hitting a guy and wrecking into a fountain. That was kind of wild. Um, the, his leg is the, you know, that's very, very sad. I don't know how, how you would even get yourself in that situation. If you just, if you, I guess you just got hurt and never saw anyone about it for years and years and years. And that's what your body eventually does. Do you think that Chris Redfield and uh, Jill Valentine will be able to take him out once he becomes a full tyrant and the, the T-Virus takes over his body? I don't know. That'd be an interesting fucking Umbrella Corpse zombie of sorts, though, like a X. <laughs> X I swear X- to God, to me, an eyeball was about to roll over and blink at me every time they fucking showed it. Ugh. I, I think his friend that was a doctor was in an interesting interview in that when he was talking about Marty Janetti's pain level being like a 12 every day. Um, I think that gives you a lot of insight into where Marty Janetti is now, both mentally and, and physically. I mean, it, he seems like a very lonely person at this point, and it kind of plays into why he's and I think they even talk about it a little bit of why the stories he's putting out there are so crazy. It's just because of like a want for attention and kind of being lonely, which is really, really sad. But uh, to be fair, Marty Jannetty has burnt pretty much every bridge he could in the wrestling business. I think maybe with the exception of Sean, who tried to redeem him as a Christian or whatever, which they go into a little bit uh, in the episode. It's just a really weird and, and sad one. And like you said, and we've talked about this on the show before, the, uh, the I killed a guy story, which sounds even more like bullshit about the fifth time you hear it. Um, but then they drive him out to this fucking bowling alley so that he can reaccount this tale of this dilapidated building and kind of goes over it. And, and he's like, well, you know, and then he changes aspects of the story. And it's like, man, this thing was already in bed. Like, we all know it's bullshit at this point. But uh, yeah, it's just such a weird, weird ass thing. I mean, it, it was a guy you worked with at the bowling alley. I think people would have, you know, 
spoke up if, if that guy ever went missing or if he was a real person. But, it, you know, he, he basically played it off as it was a wrestling angle, uh, which is just really weird because it's like, what the hell are you? What angle were you setting up? As a, as a wrestler, because it's not leading to a match, but in Marty Jannetty's mind, I guess everything he says is like a wrestling thing. And then you get the weird comments about his daughter or whatever, um, or a girl that uh, possibly was his daughter that he thought was hot that he was going to try to get with or something on Twitter. Like just a bunch of weird shit like that. Um, Marty Jannetty is an interesting character at this point in his career. Once a great wrestler. Uh, in a really good tag team. It was interesting to hear Jim Cornette talk about it on his show specifically because it, you know, that the whole tag team came through with it when the, the midnight express and the rock and roll express were feuding in AWA and Vern basically just created his own version of that, which is kind of a knockoff of both. Uh, so it was interesting hearing Jim Cornette talk about that a little bit. And uh, the fact that he's never had a conversation with Sean or Marty about the fact that, they kind of ripped the gimmick off a little bit, but uh, yeah, interesting shit. I don't, you know, it's Marty. So a lot of it's probably half bullshit. I think the St. Louis girlfriend might've been the, the most honest person in that documentary. Poor girl still has hope for Marty. Um, my one thing I will say, especially since this might be the last episode, I don't remember the gentleman's name that, uh, created this. I've heard both of them on, you know, Jim Cornette's podcast. They've been on Chris Jericho's podcast. You know, they seem like good guys into wrestling. We kind of called this out. You did more than I did at first of it basically being a display of the worst of the worst and how negatively later on this would impact um, professional wrestling or people like looking at it for getting this salacious show that's like a, a, a crime documentary style about stuff that happened in wrestling. Obviously stuff that we know about. And for the most part, I like the show. I just have to say, I guess they had enough heinous things to call out for Marty because they didn't go into anything um, of his sexual uh, exploration as far as they went into one aspect of him dosing a dude and two girls on a flight, basically, and how funny that was. Uh, there was nothing else covered with stuff that he admitted years later. Um, and the main thing, the reason why I say this is because, like I said, I guess they get their level of, you know, debauchery down for a person. Because remember, they're probably most ep most uh, aired episode or most viewed episode was a plane ride from hell. And it really wrecked Ric Flair, who, even though, you know, something like Heels that we uh, watched referenced what we were told happened about the whole helicopter story on the whole thing. You know, uh, Rick, what he used to do, get naked in his robe, go up to a stewardess. And this is not good at all. Uh, somehow, during his time in the 80s, uh, this worked for him. Uh, obviously, not so much when he was shriveled as fucking old and it was less acceptable to be that perverse. Uh, but the man had definitely different details and definitely had segments that later on the wrestlers claimed were out of order, whether it be a JR or Rob Van Dam to paint a picture is what I'm saying for him. And the lady talking, who I'm sure had a terrible situation herself, 
they didn't really go over her background of her being pretty dishonest about being a jewel thief. What I'm trying to get as Marty notoriously in shoot interviews told about him dosing women at bars, laughing about it, and then throwing them out in the hallway after he was done with them at hotels. So I'm just saying you can you can see to an extent, I hate to say it, the creators are trying to go for salacious. They're trying to go for the worst. If they have enough for Marty, they don't have to do that type of shit, you know, as long as they have an episode where they can try to destroy Ric Flair's career, which single-handedly he could do by himself. But I'm just saying, I like Dark Side of the Ring. I don't know if I need to give those motherfuckers any money past this. Yeah, it's and, and, and once again, it's... Because they're mostly covering the most covered things in wrestling, a lot of times it is it's a lot of seeing the same thing. That's always been kind of my problem with the show. Uh, as far as being salacious goes, I mean the fucking the was it the XPW or the XFW show that they did is actually the craziest. I mean, it has a guy getting attempted attempted to be murdered and having his fucking thumb cut off. Uh by a porn industry guy who is basically doing rape porn and selling that shit. I mean, that is the most like, but that is actually a salacious tale that I hadn't heard of. Like, you know, like stuff like that, but they do tend to focus a lot on that. I mean, I will give them a little bit more credit this season. Um, you know, they kind of, the Eddie Guerrero one, for instance, wasn't really like that in this season. They kind of had the Abdullah butcher story and, uh, that one is kind of hard to call salacious just because it's it's a weird situation with Hannibal, right? So, uh, the, you know, they, every once in a while they'll do one that's not necessarily all negative. But for the most part, yeah, it gets into, hey, this shit is all negative and it kind of sucks that it is that way. But I, I don't but know you how you get around Hannibal. it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I just find it funny that we find out these new t- details about Rick that we've heard for a long time. That's basically the key to that. That episode is like getting to that. That's like the big thing, the reveal. They even said on Chris Jericho on his podcast day before, you're going to look at certain wrestlers you might have loved very differently after this next episode. You know, because like as wrestling fans, I'm not saying it didn't happen. But we all heard about him doing the helicopter thing. And like, God damn it, Rick, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like I said, they referenced it on heels with one of their characters. But we never heard about him forcing a girl to grab his thing. When it comes to this episode, the fact that they did not go in that direction, like, Marty's a piece of shit for so many reasons. He doesn't have to be a piece of shit for some of the horrible things he did to women that he explained he did later on. That's what I just find a little bit, um, what's the word? Uh, I don't know. Um, you know what I'm saying? Basically, like, it's like, oh, okay. So, literally, it's just to be salacious. That's what I got from this. Yeah, and Marty Jannetty is a weird one in the sense that I don't think that a lot of people know who Marty Jannetty is outside of just wrestling, rest, like, big wrestling fans. So, like, your casual wrestling fan probably doesn't fucking remember who Marty Jannetty is. Or the, the average viewer that they're trying to get with these stories are going to be like, who the fuck is, you know, this guy? Because, I mean, in all honesty, Marty Jannetty has not really been relevant since, like, 92. So, you know, unless unless you're just a huge Shawn Michaels fan or you, you were watching wrestling during that time period, but, the, you know, if you're 
that entire show is based around picking really large big names that other people might have heard of uh, throughout the years just because of who they, you know, a name value alone. With Marty Jannetty, the other thing is maybe they looked into that and it was all fucking bullshit. And then Marty Jannetty was just spitting off the tales of doping people because someone asked him about Bill Cosby or some shit in a shoot interview. And it's Marty Jannetty. The thing is, is the guy is so full of shit. Like, what do you cover? Because, like, maybe none of that was true. So, like, who, how, how the fuck do you even judge? Like, what? I mean, the guy's obviously a piece of shit. So it's like, well, how much can we, how, how many different ways can we say the guy is a piece of shit in a 45 yeah. minute episode? It's kind of just a hard thing. I wonder how much was left on the, the cutting room floor or what kind of contract they drew up. Cause maybe he already is aware that he can't, he shouldn't be talking about that. So they sign an NDA of like, these are the things I'm willing to talk about. Cause we've had, interviews in the past where I'm not going to bring up names or whatever, where they only would, they were only willing to talk about very specific things or we're only allowed to talk about very specific things. So I, you know, it's possible that they were, they're put in the same kind of situation on some of these. That's a very good point. I just, if they come back great. Uh, if they don't, I don't have a problem with it at the same time. Unfortunately, I just, you know, I mean, it is fun having something to watch where, like, I know that you didn't like it as much because of the Talking Heads segment, but even though I knew a lot of the information, Tales of the Territory was least fun because you could go into some wrestling stories. You didn't have to tell, like, the worst tale of whoever, and it was educating wrestling fans about specific elements of each territory that, you know, people younger than us or even our same age and a little bit older might not know. Um, like I've been saying, if you want to put in the same, I don't know if it wouldn't be as popular, obviously, because of the salacious or controversial aspects to the show. Go back to the beginning. I would love to see a show really break down in, in a season, you know, 20th century wrestling uh, from the start of Farmer Burns, you know, teaching people like Frank Dodge and Tootsmont how to wrestle. Uh, you know, Frank Gotch against uh, George Hackenschmidt, um, Tootsmont getting together with with Sandow and, and, and Ed Stranger Lewis and making the Gold Dust Trio and, and really incorporating wrestling in more of a marketing style, like more of a, a big spectacle. And then Tootsmont getting with Vince Sr. and like all the aspects of wrestling throughout the 20th century that led up to where we are now. I'd love to see someone tackle. I'm just kind of – I can watch enough YouTube uh, documentaries to find out all the terrible stuff. I can listen to shoot interviews. Most wrestling fans get that. And even though I find out new information with these shows, I just feel like it's digressing the actual wrestling industry in a negative light instead of informing wrestling fans, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a they have a formula down that they like to go to. I, I, I'm just, you know, it'd be nice for them to do. Like, I, I don't know, do a do a fuck. I've talked about this in the past, like do an episode about the funks, right? Um, or, you know, do an episode like you were saying, do something that maybe is more of a historical look and not necessarily all a negative look. The Tales from the Territory thing was. It was okay. I guess my bigger problem with with it was WWE already did that, and it was a lot better. 
which was the what with the legends in the round or whatever with Michael P.S. Hayes and Jim Ross and uh, Pat and, and Gerald uh, Pat Pat uh, yeah Pat Patterson and and Dusty Rhodes and they would talk about just specific things in wrestling history not necessarily all the outside stuff that went on but like kind of more of what you were talking about like they would talk about a specific wrestler or a specific time point in history and take their takes and then tell their kind of individual stories around what was going on during that time period and i thought that was a much better more entertaining format with some some backstage details but not to the point that anything was just burying whoever they were talking about uh or or going into like the negative details of it but yeah it it's it's fun. I mean, it's interesting to watch. Uh, the, the Magnum TA episode was kind of interesting. I mean, there were some good episodes this season. I like the the Butcher episode. I like the Magnum TA episode. Um, the Marty Jannetty episode was a fun watch for what it was, even if I even if you knew, you know, kind of what was going to happen going into it. But I think that the, the ones that have stood out the most on the series are all wrestlers that kind of have passed too soon, like uh, the Brian Pillman episode and the Eddie Guerrero episodes, I think, were were two of the best throughout the series. Yeah, really good stuff. Um, we'll see what happens with the uh, show going forward. Like Chris stated, Vice is having some major uh, contract issues right now and could land somewhere else. Uh, like I said, I think they have to expand themselves to not just Dark Side of the Ring and kind of talk about some other stuff or like you said, you know, a biography about the funks. Uh, give us that. Give us a rivalry between Antonio Noki and Baba after Ricky Dozen died and they both split off and made their two organizations that would, you know, be the foundation for modern Japanese wrestling. You know, just kind of like look outside the box. It doesn't have to be as salacious. Like I keep on saying that word. I'm sorry. I, I sound like a, I don't know, like a CNN reporter talking about something but yeah we you can you can do some stuff that's informative that doesn't have to act, exactly be you know like crazy crash tv you know that's the ending concept you're going for yeah right? and even and, and you know yeah i mean even in the episodes where they're not trying to do that like the sonata episode it eventually turns into that in a situation that really has nothing to do with sonata because you kind of get into the suicide of the guy that took over uh, the Federation before Sonata yeah, uh, or Onita, sorry, not Sonata, sorry, Onita, yeah, the Onita episode, right? So it's more of just like how what an Onita did for the wrestling business and how he changed what the definition of hardcore wrestling was and how big of a star he was in Japan. But then towards the end, there's like, here's the swerve, the guy <laughs> Onita left, and then all this other shit happened. I was like, well, that isn't really, I mean, I guess it technically has something to do with Onita, but not really. And they killed uh, his announcement. Extent. Yeah, like, <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> so e even with the episodes like that where they've done that, like, uh, I don't know, is Nick Gage the one with the least kind of crazy stuff in it? It's like, well, he fucked up Arquette, I guess. That was, a, and then he robbed a, a, tried to rob a bank and went to jail for a while. But, like, you know it's kind of a bad thing when you're making Nick Gage seem like a, a normal person on your show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, you know, this could be a good transition. Getting out of uh, Dark Side of the Ring, uh, we had the finals to the G1 tournament. 
Um, I've watched online highlights. It just sucks watching a YouTube. You know, I want to watch the whole match. There's just so many matches to watch. I have to be honest with you. I think that Chris did a better job than I did, but I only watched the finals. Um, but we had the two guys, I mean, that really represent New Japan, uh, that they keep on going back to in certain aspects. Kazuchika Okada, Tetsuya Naito, and I thought they had an excellent match. I will say that it still has the King Road style from all Japan of, hey, so the whole thing is going to be about you getting dropped on your fucking neck. And Okada was put in any type of backbreaker style position from Naito uh, until he started doing it to Naito when he had a comeback. Um, but it was a much more slowed down, fun New Japan match. I, I really enjoyed it. I like it once more fast-paced when you have someone like a Will Ospreay or Kenny Omega, but when it's something like this where it's it's just more well thought out, it looks like a real fight, it looks like Naito's chipping away at Okada, you know, it was uh, an excellent match, and, you know, at the end, uh, to see Naito, Chris, it, they were going over, they were going over, you know, scores, so now, let me get this straight. Are these two tied for the most G1's victories? And also, you know, collectively, they were talking about their championship wins. Like, it seems like these guys really are New Japan's two, like, they're rock and stone cold, if you will. Um, do you get that at all from all this? Uh, yeah, probably with the exception that... Naito hasn't really had the title reign of a rocker Stone Cold, but yeah, you, I can definitely see that. Um, specifically when you're talking about the G1. Now, it doesn't Muda still hold the most G1 wins, or did Okada pass him this year? I'm not sure, but I can look that up. Because I know that was the that was a thing for a while that Muda had like one of the most successful G1 careers or something they've talked about previously. Uh, I will say I have watched the, the, uh, the, at least the Naito Osprey match and the Okada match, uh, Kota Okada Naito match twice. Both were really good matches. Um, and I kind of told you earlier in the week, I don't know which one I liked more, but the Osprey match was fucking phenomenal up until they kind of fucked up a kick spot and Naito got laid clean out. <laughs> so uh, he had to wrestle like the last minute of the match and go to the finish with an obvious concussion and then come back and wrestle the, which makes the Okada match even more incredible that this guy rolled out there and had the quality of match with Okada that he had knowing that he was not all there and makes some of the stuff they did even more scary uh, when you think about it that way. But, yeah, both matches were incredible. The Okada match, I think, was better with storytelling. You could tell the crowd was super behind Naito. And I think if the crowd wasn't as behind him, maybe the match isn't as good as it actually turned out being. But, uh, yeah, man, two of the best Naito matches we've seen in a long time. It's going to be he's going against Jeff Cobb to defend his number one contendership for Wrestle Kingdom after winning the G1. So that's the next big, big match coming out of this tournament. Obviously, hopefully, if Naito wins the 
the big uh, IWGP Heavyweight Championship at Wrestle Kingdom. He can hold on to it longer than they have uh, let him beforehand. But um, I couldn't find the most matches. I'm going to say that yours is accurate because that sounds good. But the the record for the most uh, tournament wins is uh, Antonio Noki. When you're booking yourself, I guess you'd have the most wins. And that's 10, uh, yeah. 10 wins. And then uh, Masahiro Chono has five. So that's the uh, most tournament wins. I could, I could not find the most matches. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense with those two. I, I could have been I could have been wrong on on I could be wrong on it. I thought that that was one thing they promoted as Muda was retiring as they talked about uh, the number of his G1 wins in the tournament. But the the tournament's also a lot different now because it's bigger, right? So it, it, even when Muda was doing the tournament, it was a lot bigger than it was when like it was Anoki and then Chono. Um, as far as how many people are in it now, it's like you know there's like what 16 people in each block. <laughs> So there's a lot of a lot more fucking matches in the G1 than there used to be. But yeah, it was a good G1 this year. I think uh, one of the more surprising things was you know Eddie Kingston being a part of it. He had some really fun matches. Uh, I I think that pretty much everyone like when we got down to nut cutting time, as as some might say, with Okada versus Evil. The thing that hurt that match is like there's no way I saw Evil being in the G1 final, and. Uh, it kind of went around the people that, you know, I had predicted. I was actually surprised that it ended up being Naito and not Will Ospreay uh, in the actual final. But outside of that, I mean, I had kind of we, when we did our predictions a while back, I think we we both had Okada. We had Okada. I think I had Okada Osprey and you had Okada Naito. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just means that, you know, it's it's kind of how they book over there. It would be. Nice to see them kind of go with a new person every once in a while in these G1s. But uh, last time they did that with Kushida, we 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 have seen how that showed up, showed out afterwards. So maybe they're just nervous. They're gonna keep riding the old hand, so to speak. Yeah, um, I guess the example to tell uh, for fans that might be more you know into lucha libre than that they are New Japan. Okada seems more like Pentagon on the sense that, or Ray Phoenix, either one, those guys are not maybe the biggest guy when they go to Mexico, but they're still a huge name. But when you come to an international audience, they're much more looked upon, I would say, whereas Psycho Clown is like Naito, where they're more exclusively towards that company, and they are loved mainly by you know, how the Japanese audience always attach themselves to Naito no matter what. Same thing with, you know, the Mexican audiences always attach themselves to Psycho Clown. But if Psycho Clown came over and was at the same place as Pentagon was in the U.S., you know, it wouldn't be the same reaction. Even though I think Naito is over as fuck over here, too. I'm just saying Okada's a different level internationally uh, than Naito. And you could see that with the audience because... They're allowed to they're allowed to cheer more and they were definitely for Naito in that last match. But you know, he won, but Okada is still the mighty mighty Kazushika Okada, the the uh modern Antonio Noki in a lot of ways for New Japan. 
Yeah, and, and, and it almost seems like they're trying to give Okada a little bit of a break because the dude has been on like a he's been on the, the fucking Tanahashi run here for a while uh, as far as being either in the main event picture or winning the G1 or carrying the title. I mean, it's not that long ago that this guy had carried the title for almost 900 days and he hasn't really left the picture since then. Um, so hopefully they're trying to give him a little bit of a break while trying to build some of these new stars up. But yeah, the, the you know the thing that made Okada the name that he is is definitely the the feud with the the elite. I mean, the matches with Kenny Omega, you know, it's it's just kind of sucks because Naito was on the same, I would say, on the same level because I think people forget about the the feud that Naito and Kenny had, uh, especially some of the matches that they had in the G1. They kind of get overshadowed by by the fact that. Kenny Omega and Okada had some of the greatest wrestling matches of all time, which is why his name I think is a little more well-known internationally. The fu- the funny thing about that is Naito actually if they if you if someone put him in a company and gave him a chance to do like in America, if they put him in AEW or something for a period of time and let him do some various promos or things that he could do, I feel like he would actually get more over than Okada. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you in the, in the sense of just being known more internationally, it's definitely Okada, but I think that just has a lot to fucking do with his matches, his matches with Shibata and his matches with Kenny Omega being kind of such, le- such legendary matches that it, it, it's well known everywhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, are we looking at teacher versus student for Wrestle Kingdom, Chris, between Sonata having to defend against his former mentor in Tetsuya Naito? It's very possible, unless Jeff, unless he drops that number one contendership to Jeff Cobb. They've been really behind Jeff Cobb lately, too, so I could see that happening. I mean, I don't know. Naito just got a fucking concussion, so. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I was I was surprised that they did not change up whatever they were going to do. The fact that that man wrestled like the next night after just getting the shit kicked out of him the night before. Uh, that's did, that's uh, scary. They did the test where, OK, Naito took off all of his clothes perfectly. So I guess he's fine. Um, here you go. I don't know. Yeah, I was also surprised that more wrestling fans were not upset about that uh, as we, you know, we've seen stuff where they don't necessarily stop a match right away in the United, in the United States. When that happens, people freak out, but uh, it was a totally different thing with Naito and Osprey and then him wrestling the very next day. It's, it's kind of a very scary thing because you know, Naito is going to be like, okay, drop me on my fucking neck. Cause that's how, he likes to do his big matches and uh, I don't know if that's necessarily the smartest thing to do after getting not clean the fuck out the day before. <laughs> no, probably not. But you know, that is the wrestling industry, especially over in new Japan. And you would think that wrestling fans would be more on top of a situation like that because they're usually very vocal and worried about the wrestler. But I think most of them were overtaken by situations going on in, in AEW, Chris. Our last two news items that we're going to talk about. Well, we talked about last week with CM Punk 
And the whole question was brought up to me, to you, of how the hell would Punk have the power to tell people, not Brian Nemeth, because that's not really that big of a deal. Um, Well, it is, but I'm saying compared to like Christopher Daniels or Adam Page or Matt Hardy, um, there's been more to the story. Some of it doesn't look good. Some of it's contrary. All of it's just... What the fuck is going on? That's all I'll say. But mainly, when we look at this, Matt Hardy is now saying that that's never been a thing, uh, claiming on his end, so there's been a lot of contradictory parts for that. We look at the Christopher Daniels part, and apparently that's not where he was sent home. That was more of a, hey, well, if, if you know, my guy, I forgot what the fuck his name is, the one that apparently bit, uh, Kenny Omega, um, Ace Steel. If he can't come back here, I don't want Christopher Daniels, you know, on collision, you know, tit for tat, stupid bullshit that CM Punk would probably cause, but still. And with Adam Page, we heard the promo, and now we're hearing that apparently directly afterwards, he already squashed it and apologized to Adam Page, like he knew it got out of hand. So there's that information. But then apparently Adam Page isn't allowed on collision. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on. It's involved with CM Punk. So what the fuck do you expect? I'm about to go into a similar tirade after we talk about this news item with the women's division of what the fuck's going on there. But separately from this, CM Punk has to be the most controversial figure in wrestling, period. And I wasn't even watching during his prime years. But when it comes to this, who the fuck do we believe anymore? I mean, there's so much information that comes out. You know, we talked about how would Punk have this level of control, although it makes sense. And is it that the Bucks are on one end and then you have everything with fucking CM Punk on the other end and they can control those shows? Like, I don't know. Some of it, you know, when you hear a lot of people talking about it, they're like, this will work. You know, I don't even know how the fuck to even say that anymore. I think I'm beyond that concept of this is just Punk and Adam Page trying to get somewhere in the pay window. And we'll talk about the next part of this, which involves the tag team match. It's supposed to happen next fucking weekend. But, you know, Cash had to listen to Armed Anderson too much. What the fuck is going on in AEW when it comes to... What? Like, I don't know, Chris. Just try to, like, get me through this whole thing. So, okay, I'll I'll start with what we what we have heard, um, because some of this stuff came out through PW Torch. Some of it was confirmed by wrestling, you know, wrestling observer. Some of it has came out through other media pages. But we have a backstage conflict with Ryan Nimeth, right, with CM Punk from a, a month or so ago. That didn't seem like a big deal, but it basically seems like Punk kind of backed this guy down and Ryan Nemeth was just like, uh, I I can't, there's nothing I can do about this because if I get into a fight with this guy, I'm going to be the one that gets fired because he's, as far as like on the card goes, that would probably be the case, right? So you have that, which is why he is getting got removed from the collision show that he was removed from, which he wasn't actually on collision. It was a it was supposed to be like a dark match or whatever. So 
as far as like TV goes, it wouldn't have really mattered per se. You have the Hangman Adam Page peg hanger joke about all of his action figures being the ones that won't sell, which, you know, I'm assuming that's more because they produced more Hangman action figures than a lot of other people being that he's a main event guy, but whatever. The joke was apparently, it was apparently an attempt at humor. The crowd did not like that shit on punk. There's also the hangman was removed or one of his segments were removed from the show. I do want to point out that even after all of this has happened, hangman has not said a single thing about CM Punk since that initial tiff they had, even after that press conference stuff. So good on hangman for just like, not adding fuel to this fire, or at least not publicly adding fuel to whatever this fire is. And then you have like um, a jungle boy feud with punk kind of, because jungle boy wanted to do something with real glass instead of fake glass. And punk kind of told him that was a stupid idea on that. In, in that instance, I actually agree with punk, like save your body kind of shit. Um, so there's just a lot of stuff that's been going on with punk. You do have the Christopher Daniels story, which is, it seems more related to a steel and the fact that he's still frustrated that a steel can't be there. Uh, so why is Christopher Daniels there when he was also one of the people in that locker room fight? And none of it is helped by the fact that they have a soft brand split. So a brand split, that's not actually a brand split going on between these two things. And uh, it's weird. They're in a bad spot right now because you're headed into college football. CM Punk is the biggest draw on that show. They can't afford to lose CM Punk because they're also headed into a you know renegotiation for their TV contracts. And if they t- if they were to fire Punk or get rid of him or him not be on Collision, what would those numbers look like without Punk, especially headed into college football? Because we've always we've already seen a couple times like when it went against SummerSlam, uh, where the numbers kind of fell quite a bit. I mean, the biggest drawing thing that they've had on the show recently, like if you're looking at quarter quarter hours or whatever ratings wise was Adam Cole and MJF. But I think that's just the biggest storyline in AEW right now. Outside of that, it's definitely been the CM Punk segments. So they can't really afford to lose CM Punk. So he's in kind of a unique situation. I'm not going to compare him to Hulk Hogan, but you could, you can kind of get what I'm saying. He he has that. He's going to have a little more stroke than everyone else on that card. I mean, I think it's the same reason that he got brought back to begin with, with kind of, no real consequences other than being sent home. Um, it's just kind of a weird situation, and they've put themselves there. Uh, sometimes, though, you know, you, you got to cut off your foot to save your leg. You know what I mean, Dane? I don't. It, it, it would be easy to say that you know maybe this is not this not really as much to this. But the problem is, is whenever you hear about CM Punk, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. He's always he always seems to be the catalyst of whatever negative shit is going on, whether he means to be or not. And there's never been any real resolution between him and the elite or some of the younger people on the roster. And it's it's like a dark cloud that's constantly looming over that company of. You know, when is it when's it eventually going to happen that someone just snaps on this motherfucker in the ring or, or takes liberties or it's kind of a scary thing in a lot of ways because it, it we have seen that happen in the past. Yeah, that, that, that's that's a good point. I mean, anyone could be like, man, fuck this. I'm not dealing with this bullshit. 
I guess, like you said, in a very similar aspect, it would be the same thing if someone were to shoot on Hogan and WCW in a lot of ways. Um, I just, this whole entire, one thing I have to call up with the news situation is telling us information about texting. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I just want to know, for whatever source, where the, how the hell do you find out this information unless it's directly from the person? Because we heard, you know, throughout this whole entire thing, back when the Young Bucks came back from, you know, whatever, during the trios, and they did a bunch of quote-unquote tributes to CM Punk, to basis bust his balls, that it was mutual, and that they texted that was okay with CM Punk. Then with this, we have CM Punk, you know, basically calling uh, the Bucks, counterfeit Bucks, and we're told by an outlet that, Apparently, he worked it, that out with them. And then with this situation, apparently, he texts Adam Page directly afterwards because he realized it was way worse than what he was going for. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that Dave or, or any person in the industry could not have that that connection. Mike, um, you know, I'm, I'm, Sean Rossap, any of those dudes. Um, but how, is that believable or is that just. People telling us stuff that we want to hear to keep it much more controlled, Chris. Uh, I mean, things could be way more out of hand than we're actually seeing it. And that, you know, you're leaking information to put a more positive spin on a negative situation. The other thing is, like, uh, how much of this stuff is, like, group text? Because you are talking about, when when you're talking about the Bucks, they are VPs. Like, is this stuff like a a Teams meeting group chat or something like a Microsoft Teams meeting group chat of where they're messaging each other. Uh, I mean, I have to assume pretty much everything that CM Punk does now gets brought up in like a Microsoft Teams meeting that he has to sit through on a fucking call or something. You know what I mean? Like uh, wrestling is a lot different than it was, you know, 20, 30 years ago. I'm pretty sure that all this communication is happening and it only takes one person to get wind of something and leak it out. Uh, You know, it's hard to say the fact that it's being reported by so many different outlets and kind of confirmed. And then you you're getting two different sides of the story of all, all the time is this weird thing. And like, I, I don't even know. None of it is building anywhere, which makes you think it's not, you know, it can't be a work because none of it is actually building yeah. to anything. Like that's like if it, if if we knew it was going to eventually build to a match, then he could go, okay, maybe it's it's leaked bullshit. Because um, we see that in WWE, but none of this shit is building to a match at all. <laughs> like these people are not going to be working with each other. If they were going to do that, they would have struck while the iron was hot and did, you know, Kenny versus uh, Punk right off the bat when he came back. So it's, you know, it's obviously not not going that way. I mean, I guess the thing is, is like you should have just made it a fucking complete brand split to begin with, and then you wouldn't really have to worry about it. Just put the people Punk likes on one roster and the people that the Elite like on one roster and have two very different wrestling shows. Um, oh. But yeah, it's 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 fucking. This is exactly what we were talking about when we were like, eh, I don't know if that's gonna work if they're gonna have people going over to both shows because it's just a weird weird thing. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, but like I said, they can't afford to lose Punk right now if he's going to be the head guy on Collision, and they don't have anyone to fill that spot. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. Just uh, interesting, and uh, this kind of goes into the next two parts of this whole situation. Next one being, uh, God dang it. So the last thing I heard, and I have no clue if it was the most true information or whatever, is that he's good and he'll be cleared because it's something that actually happened a little bit longer ago. And he's, you know, now going through the whole thing. But um, it seems like Tash or uh, Cash, I should say, that hasn't been Dash in a very long time. But Cash, um, Wilder, <sighs> God damn it, dude. Like, I know our, our Arn Anderson made all the, the, the jokes about Armed Anderson and whatnot and how you deal with shit. And I know that FTR loves the Anderson, uh, or or I should say Tully and, and, and Arn, as well as the Midnight Express. But um, is Cash Wheeler uh, listening too much to him, Chris, by pulling a gun out on someone in fucking road rage traffic? Because um, I don't know if it's true that he's actually cleared. Um, I have to assume that this is a situation that could hinder one of the biggest tag matches of all time in front of what their sighting is 80 plus thousand people at Wembley for their match with the Young Bucks. Finally, the third match, the, the rubber match. Um, what are you hearing now today? Is cash in the clear or are you hearing like me? I don't know if I believe that. Like, I, I feel like. If you did what he did, it's probably going to be pretty fucking bad. Um, I don't know. So he he's not in the clear. He is out on bond, but he is yet to be like charged with anything. I mean, well, he was charged with something, got arrested, is out on bond. That wouldn't stop him from going to England because he hasn't been convicted of anything. But he was charged. Uh, he had to pay a he had to pay a bond to get out of jail from this incident that happened back in July, which was him attempting to swerve around someone apparently getting road rage and flashing a gun at them the person slowly followed them got his license plate information they brought the person in after you know arresting him uh to do a lineup in which he picked him out so i don't i don't know that they're that's going to go to what go away in florida now i don't know what that actually means like what kind of charge he would get for that because I've never known anyone flash a gun at someone in traffic, so I don't know what kind of conviction you can get for for that, or if you know the guy's charges will randomly drop because someone gives him a, a lump sum of, sum of money. <laughs> but it's the biggest thing is it's not a good look for AEW because you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, because there's going to be a lot of people that say like, "Hey, man, you've had people do a lot less on this roster and not let them wrestle." I mean, he pulled a gun on somebody. That's kind of a big deal. So that was the uh, the news that we got from the Observer Newsletter today. Also, it's what was floating around on PW Torch uh, as far as uh, Cash getting picked up, arrested, and then let out on bond. So, I mean, he is he is charged with this crime. Um, now when they set the court date, it could be after, it's probably going to be after the Wembley show. 
Um, the biggest thing is that they have two pay-per-views back-to-back. So I said I would think that you could postpone it at least till the next pay-per-view, but it's at some point, what does it even matter? Because it's only one week apart. Uh, it's just going to be more of like, do fans have backlash against it? I mean, I would almost say you go through with the, go through with the match either way. So basically the bucks are going to win, uh, this next Saturday or their FDR will lose to whoever at all out because if, uh, cash has this in the future, I don't see him, you know, I don't know. I would take the titles off of them. I hate that for Dax, but I'm just saying, I mean, he could have to deal with a lot of bullshit soon. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's able to afford a good lawyer and probably won't see any actual time like in prison or anything. Um, I mean, we've seen I don't know that we've ever seen anyone get a gun charge in recent years in professional wrestling. I would think brandishing a weapon at someone is a felony. Put it that way. So I don't know how you would talk your way out of a felony charge, but, uh, you know, FTR makes good money. So maybe they'll have a really good lawyer or, like I said, maybe they can do some kind of sleazy back, like uh, almost old wrestling thing where, you know, Vince McMahon makes charges disappear because you're able to throw money around. (laughs) I don't I don't have an answer for you as far as like what the consequences of the situation is going to be. But I mean, it's a dumbass thing to do. It's it's okay to be late somewhere and, and not threaten someone just because of some road like don't get don't get that level of road rage in general. Makes you wonder like uh, what else is going on with that guy. That may, I mean, as a wrestling company, you'd be a little bit worried, right? Is this guy gonna pop off yeah, on somebody? It's, it's it's you know dependability based on rage levels. I mean, we all get road rage. Um, one time I talked to my buddy Chris. When some guy was getting onto him uh, from behind him and then pulled up right next to him and he goes, motherfucker. And he pulled over and got out of the car and started talking shit while I'm on the phone with him. Keep in mind. And then punched him in the face and left them there. So not saying that's a very smart thing to do at all. I'm not. But road rage is a thing. Uh, but when you work for a major company, major company. Don't pull that southern fucking shit. There's no reason for it. Stupid. Because yeah, I, I, you're also pulling a gun on someone, which is a different kind of charge than punching someone in the face. Um, well, like I said, that that I mean, I hate. I'm not trying to be derogatory towards southerners, but they like to go towards their gun as a uh, you know uh, reasoning. I don't know, man. I'm just saying, if 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 they lose the titles. It's it's because of this shit, and it sucks for Dax, but don't be mad at anyone else besides Cash. Really, when it comes down to this, because yeah, contra- I mean, well, the- even 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 you're saying with lawyers and whatnot, controversy is controversy. Today's people are are not as level-headed, I feel like personally, and will get offended and pissed off in drones. And I'm already seeing on Facebook and on you know, Instagram about this situation, people, you know, that consider themselves like elite fans being very happy that this happened to cash as if that helps out the fucking company at all. Uh, so, well, I mean, it, def- it does, it doesn't help out the bucks because who the hell are they going to have that level of attack match against? 
Exactly. It's a stupid my thing over your thing, collision over dynamite. I hate this. Why I hate modern wrestling fans because they're like this. They're tribal or people yeah. in general nowadays. But I mean, if you're a wrestling fan that is just upset because like you think that this is a very dumb thing to do and that's why you're upset about it, then like no problem at all. But if, if you're like, ha 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 ha, now the elite are going to win or whatever, like that's fuck. That's a weird take, dude. It's, it's a weird take of what the situation is, because if you're going to be upset about anything, you should be upset about, you know, a guy flashing a gun at somebody, basically threatening to kill the poor guy where he was so scared he had to, like, get his license plate and go into a police department and identify the man to get him charged. Like, he, this dude's like an everyday citizen, regardless of if he pulled out in front of him or whatever the fuck happened to cause the road rage. Uh, I mean, that... That would that should be more of your concern of why you you think that FTR is bad or whatever. Not not you just like the elite. That's a weird it's a weird fucking take if that's how you feel about it. But uh, you know if it's me, I, I don't know what you would do to replace it. You could bring in like Gorillas of Destiny to have a match against the Bucks instead. You got to find something else to do. Hey, Motor City Machine Guns are out there. Maybe you just do that match. There's some possibilities for sure, but either way, I, uh, I don't know. Situation's not fun either way, and no one gets a win with a negative uh, thing that impacts the whole entire company. So that's the main thing if, I want to get out there. If they if they suspend him, Dax might get a good singles run out of it. Yeah, Dax the He's, Axe could do a great singles run. Now, I will remind people, if you're out here burying cash, that uh, Dax has had some very bad aggression in his past as well in some inflammatory <laughs> things that have happened in his past. So I'm just saying neither of these guys are like, uh, you know, perfect in this situation. So uh, I mean, because it yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone's perfect, uh, but, you know, when it comes to issues with driving i love jeff hardy but you know that's happened several times and you know um shit happens i don't know exactly the <laughs> situation could you they might as well start a fucking wrestling court like a wrestling driving school <laughs> at this Jeez. point you could go in there with the usos jeff hardy cash this is how you operate Just, the fucking road. Seriously. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. This one is, is like I said, this one's surprisingly weird because it, you know, it has a gun involved in it and you're going to have a subsection of people that are very anti-gun. And now Tony Khan has to figure out what he wants to do about that as a Florida-based company and what type of audience he wants to appeal to. Because once again, he's in a weird situation where there's going to be some of subsection of his fans that are gun, like think that this is the gun part of it is okay. Which because what it's really going to come down to is fucking gun control. You know how this shit goes. Not that, Hey, maybe it's just not a good idea to be an asshole. Yeah. Have self-control more so than anything else. <laughs> yeah, like owning a gun doesn't necessarily mean that you should be like flipping it out at people. They're, they're, those are two very different things. But you just yeah. know how the media goes. So it's in how Twitter goes. 
it's going to end up with people arguing about gun control and then Tony Khan's going to have to make his decision based on that. Yeah, I I can totally see it happening. I mean, you know, <laughs> certain situations with wrestlers that are trying to make it back in a higher level, one of them, you know, we could talk about Enzo, who's going to be on the New Japan Strong pay-per-view tonight. Uh, also, New Japan has one with Impact that's going to be tomorrow night, Multiverse of Madness 2. Might be checking out a little bit from both of those, but... You know, where there is some controversy, even if everything is cleared, you know, it's uh, going to stay with you for a while. And it's up to the discretion of the person. And I don't blame any company that would fire someone based on an allegation or something like this where it directly fucking happened, you know, to take some type of course of action. I That's when you are hired towards a major company. This goes for athletes or or, or anyone. I mean, don't have a fucking gun in a video with you or or doing something illegal like what the fuck like think you're making a lot of money like a lot of fucking money but i can't i can't think of the nba players uh name that was called brandishing a gun and in videos that is now suspended for most of next year fire call. So I, I would assume this would be more of a suspension situation and probably some kind of anger management classes. I do know one other part of the story I left out is that Cash had to turn in all of his guns. So any gun that was registered under his name when he was conv- or charged with this, he had to actually turn his guns into the police department in Orange County, Florida. So he won't be brandishing guns on people <laughs> at the moment. That was another another part of this. But, yeah, we have seen this in sports where people do dumb shit with guns. I mean, Plexco Burris, for instance, a long time ago. Uh, most of it just ends in a suspension. So we will we will see. I guess we'll keep everyone listening out there up to date if they're not already up to date. The biggest question is he's not been charged with anything right now. So do you just go through and have the match or do you if you're Tony Khan, do you have to call an audible? I would almost think maybe it's better to call audible. You just need to make sure whatever the audible is, is a damn good match. I would go through with the match, but I would put the bucks over with the titles, but I don't know if that was actually what they were going to do because I don't know, unless, unless the bucks are over there, you know, trios title concept uh, for them personally to have those belts, you know, I was I was assuming this was the Bucks putting over FTR, kind of solidifying or whatever. But if that wasn't the case, or if it was, I would have the Young Bucks uh, winning those titles, even if they weren't supposed to, if they're allowed to have that match at All In at Wembley Stadium. Because there's no other fucking tag teams up to the level of them. Now, I love your idea with Motion Machine Guns, and they could do that. That would be a great person to put in place of that. Or... I mean, it wouldn't be as big, but we know we've heard the rumors that Santana and Ortiz have been, you know, working things out. Santana's almost ready to come back, that that looks as a viable tag team. But there's not really a lot of sense in that. I mean, you would have to, like, do something, like you said, really fucking quick. If you can have that tag team match, get it on the Bucks. Whatever happens with Cash, whatever happens with Cash, Dax does maybe a solo thing until it's resolved for however that takes, 
and then the Young Bucks the next week has. Because we also have a situation, man, where we don't know where the Ring of Honor tag titles are going to be because Aussie Open is going against the Hardys, as established last night, before fucking All In, which I would assume they would win because they're, well, actually, they're Aussies, so never mind. They're actually not from the UK. I was about to say that. Just like you, Tony Storm. You guys are liars with your accents. Anyways, um, you know, there's a good chance it could be Hardys versus Adam Cole and uh, it, uh, MJF, you know, the champion, uh, at Ring of Honor so they can have the belts. There's a lot of stuff that could happen. I, I just think that if FTR is going against the Young Bucks, Young Bucks have to go over to get this shit settled. And then they have something happen for another opponent at All Out. And I don't know who that is, but maybe it's Dax coming back with someone else or it's someone completely different like you're suggesting, but they're a week apart. Let's see if we can get the all-in match done and get the belts on the Young Bucks. Uh, do you do if – you, if you have to keep the belt on – if they really are just set on keeping the belt on FTR, do you just have like – Dax and Mark Briscoe as a team. Now I'm not going to say that that's not an awesome option, but I'm going to bitch about that later on for Raw, where Chelsea Green was allowed to just all of a sudden have Dewdrop be her tag partner. So I don't know. I mean, that doesn't really. If it's if the Bucks win and then it's Dax saying we're coming, I'm coming back for those belts, blah blah blah, and then picks Mark Briscoe and then they win or at least have a match against the Young Bucks at All Out, I'd be down for that. But I don't know if I just want them oh, – we've never been in a, uh, a trios, but we're going we're gonna to fucking, you know, um, god damn it, uh, freebird this shit. Well, yeah, I mean, but that's happened throughout wrestling history when someone gets injured and they replace – or someone is unable to defend one of the belts, they have to pick a partner or whatever. How about Marty Jannetty? <laughs> yes sure <laughs> i love the idea though that would be great i mean if there's one person i'd love to see mark briscoe tag with and then i think he would it would be dax but you know yeah. that would be great yeah and i mean it, you know worst case scenario you could just strip the title and set up a tag tournament and set the like the bucks into a different match like i said bring in the motor city machine guns or bring in um pride and powerful if they're ready to go or you could uh I don't know. You could, you could, like I said, bring in uh, Gorillas of Destiny. What's God doing that weekend? They, they at least have a history. Jesus, make it a ladder match at All Out. Gorillas of Destiny, fucking Pride and Powerful, the hmm. Young Bucks, and what was the other one? Um, Motor City Machine Guns. Oh, Motor City Machine Guns, and yeah, Dax and fucking Mark Briscoe want to be the fifth team. Go for it. I mean, usually that's clusterfuck, but they would make it somehow sustainable, I think. Yeah, they're just, I mean, they're in a weird spot. So, I, like I said, I think damned if you do, damned if you don't. If, if you're just going to, I don't know. You almost, it's. I don't know if it's better to just have the match or if you just, you know, strip them of the titles and do something like like you were saying, like a ladder match or some kind of big big match to determine the titles at Wembley. You need to give the people at Wembley a, like a match with the Bucks, though. There's no way around that. So, they've got to find something to do. 
Well, hopefully, like I said, they can get that all-in match. Uh, should we even talk about, because, I mean, it's a little bit old and we haven't talked about all the details, but the shit going on in the fucking, the female locker room. There's the, it's the shit circle around the female version of CM Punk, whose name is Britt Baker. Is that? <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything about this, so yeah, it might be interesting to talk about. Well, the thing is, I mean, kind of old news now at this point, but just... Okay, that that's not what we have. Where's my news update about this? Damn, I can go off the top of the dome, but... um, Oh, so Lufisto, who is a female wrestler... She has been on a couple episodes of Dark, uh, something more recently. She was just basically going off on a tangent online about some of the shit, some of the uh, (laughs) basically mean girl shit that goes on in the female locker room over in AEW. And all the people that she basically called out were the ones that went to bat for AEW about there's no division within the the women's you know division that you know just terrible stuff calling this girl even if she's full of shit it's like we're for women unless they're against the women we like and then we'll say terrible stuff about them without even knowing them and call them fucking names that we would like go off against if someone else did that towards the women we like within the industry they're talking about and yes miss Britt baker was one of the top names on that. Hey, where the fuck is Thunder Rosa? She's apparently cleared. She was supposed to show up on Collision. She has the exact same problems, or should have the same ex- exact problems, that CM Punk had, because she never lost the fucking title. But she's just not there, and had apologized towards the locker room. But then they have a reality TV show, you brought her up, where we finally kind of see how much involvement Britt Baker has. And now she has even more control of basically being kind of like one of the producers that puts all the shit together with the women's division and was kind of like talk, like getting this whole entire thing between ladies who also, like I said, were defending this whole entire thing, you know, talking to them on camera and kind of talking shit about Thunder Rosa and how Tony Storm's being held down for an interim title and all that shit. And like I said, Britt was the first person to respond after her. It was Paige. It was Tony storm. It was, you know, all the people that we know she's friends with Renee, uh, you know, and I'm not saying that it's not as bad as this, this random, you know, you know, I know Conan puts her over cause she works a lot with triple a Lefisto. Um, but, you know, MJF even came to bat to them. I know Taya Valkyrie, you know, was kind of called upon within this conversation because of her match with Britt Baker that obviously their heads were butting. We talked about it not too long ago. She also went, you know, with AEW against this girl's uh, claims or at least gave her side of the story. MJF kind of went off. On her as well, but Britt Baker, Renee, Soraya, Nyla Rose, Mass and Rain, you know, all of them uh, talking about it. Uh, just, 
I don't know. I don't know what the hell's going on, but like you said, man, what's the difference between CM Punk and Britt Baker? What's the difference between Britt Baker and a lot of female wrestlers? I feel like she has the ego of Charlotte Flair, and she doesn't have half the fucking accomplishments, or even a third! So that's why I get annoyed by her. She's getting more of a heel reaction. She's getting more of a heel reaction with fans because of this shit that are kind of like, hey, you're just as much of a problem in the women's division, uh, you know, as, as, and I know that, she, and I love that she's taking a break or, or condensing her DMD work so she can really focus on this. She has a lot of motivation. I like Britt Baker. She's a fucking great wrestler. Uh, she's a great fucking heel. But I just feel like, you know, I hate to look down upon this, but if you haven't won the WWE Women's Championship in some realm and you've built yourself on this, which is great, you still fucking, I don't know. I, I, I don't know why she has a level of control she has. Uh, it's another situation where I feel like certain people take advantage of Tony, but I don't know. Maybe you think I'm crazy, Chris. What have you heard from all this? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really, with Britt Baker, it's been kind of weird because, like, if you point to the best matches she had, they're with, they're with Thunder Rosa. You feel like that beef would be squashed just so that they could go back to it. Um, so that, I mean, that there's that, there's Thunder Rosa not coming back even after issuing, I, and I still don't understand what she was apologizing for really, uh, during that whole situation, because it could be that, I think it kind of goes both ways with whatever their little feud was about to begin with. Uh, as far as Lefisto coming out and saying it's a mean girl's locker room, like, uh, I don't know, maybe she got big leagued when she came in for a dark match. Maybe everybody was an asshole to her. Like her experience in that locker room as like a one-off wrestler for a dark match is going to be different than people are signed to a full-time or like a full-time contract. Right. But either way, it's not a good look for your locker room. Um, uh, the, the entire women's division is kind of in shambles since they, they had Jamie Hayter that was actually working out kind of well. Then she gets hurt. And then this thing has fallen apart, especially after Jade Cargill drops the title. Um, there have been signs. I don't know who's bringing them, but they're fucking hilarious. that just like say book the women's division better in the crowd. Um, that <laughs> so the best thing about that sign or the one that had uh, the camera view on was during the match with Britt Baker and Ty Valkyrie where they're obviously having problems working out a match on the fly and having issues and they're fucking having these slot spots between two women we all know have a great match and then it goes it cuts to that fucking sign <laughs> you can tell in the back they were like get her off that sign went back to the somehow went back to that sign again <laughs> this is hilarious that was a good troll by the production team <laughs> actually um but yeah man i, I don't know we've talked about popping up his head chris you think tony's uh, like what he's like I don't know. Vince McMahon would have fired somebody, probably. Uh, yes! <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. That was just funny. I mean, there's lots of great female wrestlers out there. What's Session Moth doing? She used to work for Ring of Honor. Bring her in. What's Jordan Grace doing? Bring her in. 
Um, what the fuck is Kim Hogan doing? What the hell is like? I'm trying to figure like some of the females that they have on their roster that they just don't show anymore. Like uh, what what happened to um? Oh wow, I forgot her name. Um, uh, female D Malenko. Oh, uh, she, um, she Serena she plays Deeb. like the. Oh no, I wasn't even thinking of Serena Deebs. I was thinking of um. The the Russian the Russian wrestler they have that kind of wears like MMA stuff. What is I can't think of her name now. She's hurt though. She 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 will be back at some point. They just they they. I mean, this is like the men's division. We're about to talk about Jay Lethal coming soon, and he he's someone that should be a contender for the Ring of Honor or the fucking AEW Championship. And he was involved with a Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, situation on Dynamite. Where Leatherface was a baby face because he went after I don't even know what the fuck happened there. But anyway, <laughs> I'm just saying I digress. I was I was just sad that it wasn't Kirshner as Leatherface. Uh <laughs> Dude, it's gotta be Corporal Kirshner, dude. F- <laughs> FMW. <laughs> I thought they would for sure have done that, but um Yeah, yeah, I mean, so the women's division is just we've talked about it many times. It's in a weird spot. Um you know, when it, like Carrie Zane was up to sign a new contract, she ended up going with WWE. And you have to think part of it is when you hear stories like this or when you see stories like this. I'm sure that Tony Khan offered her comparable money, if not maybe more, uh, to go to AAW instead. And that's a huge loss that they couldn't get Carrie Zane. They need someone like that to to bring in. And I think they thought that person was going to be Sasha Banks before she broke her ankle, right? So maybe we will see that here in the near future as Sasha gets healed up. Um, I I could see her working with AEW because she wasn't really signed to a long-term deal with with Stardom. But we're not going to know that until – or what – I'm sorry. What is it? Mercedes Monet. Sorry. Um, We'll go with her new name. But, yeah, I think that they're aware that they need to bring someone in. Um, to liven up that division a little bit because it's uh, it's it's going to be in shambles until Jamie Hader comes back, and then there's only so many Jamie Hader Tony Storm matches you can see. Like they really need to freshen that thing up. And like I said, if they could get someone like a Deanna Perazzo or a Jordan Grace or Session Moth Martinez or uh, if if there's anyone from WWE out there like Mickey James or someone they could bring in, uh, just a help move that thing along uh I, I, yeah I, I just don't have a good answer of how you fix that women's division i mean obviously don't throw them in death spots and try to build up some matches and maybe get rid of this fucking page faction um maybe just do a straight women's tournament for a number one contendership i, ju- I just don't know what you what you can really do to fix it without bringing in some new faces and, and people but it sounds like when they try to bring in new faces, they don't necessarily get along with the people that are already there. So it's a weird, weird fucking spot. Deanna Perazzo. My lord. Watched Impact last night before uh, I watched SmackDown. I'm trying to catch up. She is. So Dana, 